Himalaya. I'm Colleen Sedmanyi, and this is Yoga for Life. There's an underlying belief that somehow we aren't enough, that we are unworthy frauds and losers. In Yoga for Life, we will uncover these self-imposed limitations that are keeping us from contentment and freedom. We will talk about caring too much what others think, fear of not adding up, seeking comfort, divorce, aging, relationships, grief, power, and of course, sex, one of my favorite topics. In this podcast, you can expect open, real, and raw dialogue about what keeps our hearts heavy, spirit hidden, and potential limited. We will give you yoga tools to peel back the layers, to find compassion and love for the person that is living in your body, and to learn to live the present moment fully with all of its glory and its pain. You're listening to Yoga for Life, a Himalaya learning production. For exclusive content like yoga videos to accompany the podcast that you've just heard, go to Himalaya.com and enter promo code YOGA for your first 14 days free. We hope you enjoy. If you are loving these podcasts, it would be incredibly helpful if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for Yoga for Life. I will read them all, and with the help of Himalaya, we will choose three to give free access to the Himalaya Learning Platform, where there's a lot of bonus material from all of the podcasters. My offerings are yoga videos that accompany each podcast. I'll announce three winners in my eighth episode, so please go to Apple Podcasts and leave Yoga for Life a review. Thank you. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Every week... We will clear the slate and begin each podcast with a short meditation. You don't have to know how to meditate. You just sit. So find an easy seat. Close your eyes. This meditation is about intimacy that can lead to productivity. Listening deeply to your body. Notice how you feel. Do you feel calm? Do you feel agitated? Do you feel peaceful? Do you feel stressed? Where do you feel it? What are the feelings in your gut right now? What is bubbling up in your seat of intuition? Can you listen? Can you listen without reacting? Feel. 
how do you feel? What message is your body trying to tell you right now? Can you trust to listen, to receive? Come back to feeling your breath. By focusing on your breath, your mind has something to follow that is not verbal so that you can feel. Gather your hands in front of your heart, symbolically bowing your head to your heart. Throughout the day, just stop, listen, and feel. Namaste. I'm Colleen Sadman Yee. Welcome to Yoga for Life. Today, we have a very special conversation with Kate Northrup. The title of this, listen to this, you've never heard this one before, Intimacy to Productivity. So who is she? You probably know, but she is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, mother. Kate has built a multimedia educational platform that reaches hundreds of thousands globally. She's committed to supporting ambitious women to light up the world without burning themselves out. Kate is the author of two books, Do Less and Money, and A Love Story. Kate's work has been featured by The Today Show, The New York Times, Yahoo, Finance, Harvard Business Review, Women's Health, Glamour, etc., etc., etc. Kate lives with her husband and their daughters in a cozy town in Maine, She connects heart-to-heart through both her left and right brain. By the end of this chat, you will know exactly what I mean. Welcome, Kate. It's so great to see you, and thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. You've already made me cry. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a few cry fests in our lives. I just, like, first of all, I'm such a crier. And second of all, I just love you so much. And I'm so honored to be here. You've just been a teacher of mine, literally, and then just sort of from afar for so long. And it's just such an honor. So I'm going to go right in. One of the gists that I've taken away from some of your work is that if you develop intimacy with the universe and your body and understand and honor the cycles of both, then you'll make more money and spend less time doing it. Or you could say produce more without depleting yourself. Do you want to just give us a general overview of this? Sure. So the crux of what I'm here to teach, at least in the version that's coming through right now, is to help leaders and all people get in their bodies so that we can do our best work. Because opposite to what we've been taught, our bodies can be amazing vehicles for our best work as opposed to inhibitors of our best work. I think so much of common business advice or even career advice is really about like, how can we either hack the body to get like the most out of it? Or how can we bypass it and just live from the neck up? And so it's that intersection of understanding how our body fits into the greater matrix of nature and the earth 
and the seasons and the cycles and the cosmos and the planet and all of everything, like how and in which ways are our bodies microcosms of all that is and really seeing our place in the greater collective. To me, <laughs> then it ends up sounding trite, but like at the end of the day, humans are looking to get more done. And while ultimately it really doesn't matter how much we get done, my way in is, hey, listen, if you connect in with all of this, you will actually do better work. And if that's the way to get people in their bodies, great. You're telling me that we shouldn't use our bodies as a workhorse and just drink shit tons of coffee and get as much as you can done and then be mean to everybody and then collapse into a coma? That's not a good plan? Is that what you're saying? That is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, a lot of your message is about maximum productivity and how to achieve that without burning out. Is there ever a time, and you sort of hinted on this, when productivity doesn't really matter? Even if you've mastered the art of not depleting your batteries while doing it, is producing, even if you spend less energy doing it, really the barometer of how well we're doing or judging if we're really enough or not? I love this question. So at the end of the day, I really would love for us to transcend the productivity conversation. Because the truth is, we're all just dying. And so given that that we know for sure, we know two things for sure. One, we live in a body and it's the only one we get. Two, we're going to die. So then we might as well be here. Like, and so measuring our days instead of a list of achievements or to-do items checked off becomes really immaterial and instead sinking into, was I actually here today? Do I even remember any of it? Did I feel like last night my toddler, she was like, mama, I want you to hold my hand. So I was just sitting by her crib with her little hand in mine. And I just was like, this is annoying. (laughs) There are other things I want to do. However, and also like, it's uncomfortable to lean over a crib. But like, also, I just was like, well... This is what's happening. And like really soon her hand is going to be so much bigger. So I'll just kind of feel what it feels like to have this tiny hand and I'll be here because I'm doing this. So I might as well be here while I'm doing it. You talk a lot about the cycles of the moon and also the cycles of a woman's body and tuning into the body and working with the body and honoring the body at the same time realizing that we're part of this greater universe. And I know a lot of yoga is about honing those listening skills and being in the body and grateful for the body and treating the body as if it were a temple and wanting to live inside this body. And that keen sense of listening and honoring and rhythm is so important. So I'd like for you to just talk to us a little bit about that. So I was raised by a woman who has talked to me about the menstrual cycle like a lot. And I just want to say, so my mom's Dr. Christian Northrup. She wrote Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. But the reason I bring that up is because I was really not interested in learning about it until I came to it through my own experience. And so if you're just like, why are we even talking about the moon or the menstrual cycle or that's weird? You know, I just want you to know I've been there too. And here's why this was helpful to me. As a new mom, I had had so many issues. My first year of motherhood, like it was just 
oh my God, it was unbearably hard. And just, you know, the mastitis and the postpartum depression and the anxiety and the insomnia and I had a sick baby and blah, 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 blah. So I was really hanging on by a thread by the time she was 13 months. And at 13 months postpartum, I got my period back for, you know, the first time because I had been pregnant and the whole thing. And I had not had my period for a long time before getting pregnant either because I did this crazy fitness program before my wedding and I my period went away. So I got my period back. And for the first time in my life, I was excited because it represented after housing and nourishing this other body for so long and also losing my period and then trying to get it back because I knew after I got married, I wanted to get pregnant. And that was like its whole journey in and of itself. I was so excited because it represented this return to myself that my body was no longer the vessel for somebody else exclusively, that it was mine again. And not from a getting your body back perspective, just to be clear, like that was not it. It was like, I live here. This is mine. And I got so excited about tracking my cycle and learning about the different phases because it was like I was getting my period for the first time ever at 32. And I was fascinated. And I, and I, having been a productivity junkie my whole life, I started to learn that hormonally, we feel differently in four distinct ways throughout the four phases of our menstrual cycle. And those same four energetic phases are mimicked by the lunar cycle. And they are also mimicked by the four seasons that we go through every year. And so there's an energy of springtime, then there's an energy of summertime, then there's an energy of autumn and an energy of winter that we experience every single month whether it's in concert with our menstrual cycle or the lunar cycle. Now, testosterone dominant people actually experience this hormonally every single 24 hours. They have these four seasonal experiences. And even estrogen dominant people will notice that to some degree or another. There's sort of a springtime of the day, a more summertime, more of the autumn afternoon feeling. And then of course, there's the wintertime when you're sleeping. Can you explain a little more what the estrogen type and the testosterone type are? Is that male-female? What is that? It's mostly male-female, but from an inclusivity perspective, there are people who are testosterone dominant who would identify as female, and there are people who are estrogen dominant who would identify as male. And then there's a lot of interesting things that happen even when, let's say, a trans woman takes HRT, she actually may have menstrual symptoms, even though she she doesn't actually have a period. So the reason I say estrogen dominant and testosterone dominant is simply because there are just so many experiences of being in a body. And I just want to make it apply to as many of them as possible. I could also say people with periods, except that's not entirely accurate either. <laughs> so there you go. Our language doesn't do a great job at encompassing the possibilities of the human experience. So that's basically like I just started to learn and I was so fascinated. And so I started to organize a little bit my workflow as I was getting back to working after having my baby. I mean, I started working before 13 months postpartum, but like barely. I mean, I just didn't even know what was going on. So I did need to make money and somehow I did, but I don't even know what happened. But I was coming back, like I was like coming back out of my own sort of wintertime phase after having a baby. And emerging. And I started to get fascinated by these four different energy experiences I was having during the month. And I thought, well, if this whole setup, this whole framework of seasonal experience is good enough for keeping 
all of life going on planet Earth. And if this is how Mother Earth organizes herself, like probably this would be good enough for my business and probably better than some productivity strategy created by a man who doesn't understand what it's like to live in my body. And so that's how it happened. And that's kind of why I talk about it. And I am endlessly fascinated by learning about the cycles and seasons that are embedded in nearly everything once you start to look for them. And even within one day, that's what I'm hearing, because, you know, my period is way in the rearview mirror. But I do feel a daily cycle. Like, really, I can only write between 11 and 3. And if I send an email out at 730 at night, I'm going to regret it. So can you just talk about us women of a certain age that aren't really tracking the cycle? Do we have monthly cycles? And I'd love to hear more about the daily cycles, if you have any insights on that. Yeah. So the women I work with and who I talk with who are postmenopausal, they tell me that their experience is more in concert with the lunar cycle. So my mom taught me, which is so exciting, that after menopause, your FSH and LH levels, which is your follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, are at the same levels that they're at during ovulation for the rest of your life. Oh my God. People think your sex life stops? I'm here to tell you For me, that is completely not true. I love that. And what the data shows, and you're obviously evidence of this, is that the women reporting having the best sex of their life are 60 and above. And so I'm so excited for, I mean, of course, I'm savoring the moment I'm in, but I'm like also so excited. I just think apparently it just keeps getting better. And so knowing that your FSH and LH levels are at that peak, same as ovulation, which is our most receptive, open moment for cross-pollination. It's our most turned on magnetic time of the month. It's the summertime of your month. To know that that's going to be your physical experience potentially for the rest of your life is just like excellent news. So I'll just say that. And then And also, I really think that for all of us, even for me, you know, I have a pretty regular, healthy, normal, unmedicated cycle. However, I get so much solace out of tracking the moon and to some degree organizing around that so that around the dark of the moon, I'm a little bit more inward. I'm a little bit more listening inside. And during the full moon, I'm more outward. I'm more cross-pollinating. I'm more doing outreach and having that natural ebb and flow. And especially in a culture that is hyper associated with forward movement, achievement, and visible results, we need as much permission as possible for slowing down in rhythmic, strategic ways. And so for me and the people I work with, having either the lunar framework or the menstrual framework or both so that there are set times of the month where it's like, hey, if there was going to be a time that you're going to slow down and there needs to be, this is it. And if you do it at this time, you'll actually get the most benefit. So I talk about using rest as a growth strategy, not that we should be trying to grow all the time, but again, because that's how people will listen. Well, you know, we're all about restorative yoga right now too. It's sort of the same thing. That's what we need. It's like enough, bigger, harder, faster, more time to slow down, time to check in. And I think COVID has given us that opportunity in a lot of ways to realize that if you step off the treadmill, you might still be okay. But I want to come back to this idea of the moon or the cycle or this intimacy because some of us don't have that ability, A, to track our cycle and B, to be able to rest when the moon is, I guess it's waning. 
Okay, so if there's a yoga journal conference, and there's always a yoga journal conference or something equivalent, on that time, I can't not go to it. So just talk on that when it's not uh, practical to chart either one of those. Yeah, I love it. So I really recommend charting and paying attention to your menstrual cycle or the lunar cycle or both, no matter what, even if you don't have control over your schedule. And then what's so cool is even if we can't actually change what we're doing, we can always change how we're doing it. And so I just been thinking about the bazillion yoga classes I took with you and like all the different ways, you know, adverbs, right? So adverbs (laughs) are modifiers of a verb. So it's the opportunity opportunity. You could do something gently. You could do something fiercely. You could do something with breath, without breath, like softly, like there's just so slowly, quickly, you know, with vigor. I, there's just so many ways to do something. So I could be teaching at a conference on day one of my period, which is typically the day that I am a little spacey and pretty intuitive and inward. And so it has total benefits. It's not that it's a bad thing. It's just a different energy. And so what I will do during that time is I will use that energy and I will walk more slowly to the venue and I will probably not schedule dinner with someone after my talk and I will probably let the event organizer know like hey I can stay for 45 minutes afterwards and then I'm gonna need to go to bed and then I'll know okay this is my most intuitive time so I'll really listen in like what needs to be said during this talk that's maybe different than what I planned and so We can always change how we're going to do something, even if we can't change what we're doing. I love that. I mean, our theory is, you know, we can do a kick-ass, hardcore vinyasa class, but we should be able to take that same class and teach it to somebody in a hospital bed. It is how you do it. It's any amount it's showing any up. amount. Oh, it's so good. Any <laughs> amount. <laughs> One of our favorite, favorite phrases. And I feel like that translates into everything. That was such a, a perfect answer for that. It's not necessarily what you do. It's how you do it. How are you showing up today? And are you showing up authentically with the energy that you have right then and there? And can you have that intimacy in the body not to fight that, but to understand it, to caress it, to love it, to act from it? Let's talk about the Maha people pleaser. Maha in yoga means the great, the most extreme. And if you fall into that category, raise your hand right now. And I think that everyone listening to this podcast probably has their hand in the air. I know mine is lifted really high. My question to you, do you think that this comes from not realizing your value and the false belief that somehow you're not enough? that we don't set boundaries and we don't say no. So what do we do? How can we survive? How can we trust that we can set these boundaries, that we can say no, and we'll still survive? Like, talk to us so that we can be a recovering people pleaser rather than a full stream maha people pleaser. Okay, so I am totally a recovering people pleaser, some days more than others, recovering more other times. So First of all, I want to say that I think people pleasing comes from a lot of different places. Number one, if you're listening and you identify as female, you were raised to believe that your purpose to some degree or another was to be of service. 
and to be here for the well-being and pleasure and happiness and comfort of other people, your children, your spouse, your family, your mother. So there's that. Then there's also the very real truth that when we were inside our mother's bodies, if our mother was upset, literally it reduces the blood flow to the baby. So there is this intimate connection with a feeling of someone else is not okay, therefore I am not okay. So as we develop, as we individuate, it is so important to practice feeling the discomfort of other people feeling uncomfortable and witnessing that we're still alive. And I think that we can do that really in small ways. Like, you know, if your mother asks you to do something, instead of just immediately saying yes, you could just titrate slightly with the discomfort of saying, let me get back to you and give yourself 24 hours so that the default isn't, let me make you happy. So I'm not saying this is, you know, just with mothers, this is (laughs) with everybody. And of course, like I want my kids to do what I want them to do too. But at the end of the day, like I really want them to be true to themselves. And if that means that that disappoints me, well, I'd rather them disappoint me than disappointing themselves. And so anyway, I just wanted to give that context and say, how do we do it? Well, one of the ways that I practice is... I practice, whether it's in my yoga practice or doing some other sort of physical thing, I practice actually expanding my capacity to be with discomfort. So like, let's say Mike, my husband is upset. I practice being there, but not needing to do anything about it. And I literally just, as I'm there listening, or if he's upset and I just, he's not talking, I'm just there. I literally like imagine that inside my body, I am expanding the space I have for that. Not that I have to take it on, but just, okay, I can make space for discomfort or with my kids, you know, let's say Ruby is, or Penelope's, my older one is far more likely to be having a meltdown. So, so, so like Penelope's losing it about something instead of trying to distract and be like, oh, hey, let's read a book or hey, let's go outside or do you want a treat or something? It's like, okay, let me just sit on the floor and notice how uncomfortable it is to listen to my child cry and then let me sit with that. Bearing witness is such an important practice, and it sounds like that's what you're doing with your husband and with your child when you realize that you don't always have to be the fixer and that people don't even really want you to be the fixer, right? There's that sense of leaning back, creating this beautiful broadness And then this front body of compassion where it's like, okay, I'm going to take it. I'm not even going to nod my head in acknowledgement. I'm simply going to stay here and receive without feeling that need to fix. And that's such an important practice, especially for women. I want to circle back to the whole mother thing because I realize that can be a very loaded subject. And the truth is we take on our mother's breath when we're in utero. And as you know from all of the breath work that we've actually done together, there is so much infused in the rhythm of the breath, right? We're talking about, you know, rhythms of the body, rhythms of the universe. But when we take on the rhythm of our mother's breath, 
how do we expect to not take on that neurosis or that anxiety or that pattern of the where we were housed for the first nine months of our lives. So this is just a very interesting way to come into the world and then have to peel yourself away to become your own person because our mothers were probably of the ilk of putting themselves last and serving, serving, serving to depletion and not having that intimacy or that permission to realize the value of relaxation and not having to fix. Now, I know that's a long statement, but I would just love to hear what you have to say about that. There's so much here. When I had my toddler and a crawling baby and I would sit on the floor and like they would both just get on my body. Like I couldn't get near them without them sort of Velcroing themselves, right? And let's say one of them was upset and still this is the case. One of them is upset and it's like they make contact with my body and then they feel safe and then they calm down because still to a large extent, my body is their home even as they get older and older. It occurred to me, I don't know, two years ago or so, that if my body could feel like home to my child and provide that level of solace and sense of safety, perhaps it could do the same for me. Because I'm not going over to my mom's house when I'm upset to like get solace from attachment to her body at this point in (laughs) in my life as a 37-year-old. And yet we still crave, like we still have that craving for I'm okay, I'm safe. And so I thought, okay, well, could my body do that for myself if it can do that for my infant or my toddler? And so I started to just like really feel into making that deeper connection with not only my actual body, but the degree to which my body comes from the great mother. And so the more that I can tap in through lying on the ground, standing on the ground barefoot, floating in the ocean, looking at trees, hugging trees, just like being in deeper connection with mother nature and then also through meditation and prayer with the great mother, the less I really need my mother to be any sort of which way. And she can just be who she is and I can just be who I am and I can tap into this larger, completely infinite source. You know, Mother Nature and the Great Mother, they have so much to give. Like, they'll never run out. And so our bodies, because they were formed by our mother's bodies, but because the intelligence that formed our bodies is really the intelligence of the Great Mother, like our mothers on a personal level didn't actually form our bodies. Like their body did it, but it was through some divine, I mean, who even knows what happens, right? So if we can tap into that by practicing yoga, doing our pranayama, tracking our cycles, being in touch with the sensation of what it feels like to sit in a chair or wipe off the counter top or saute an egg or whatever. I don't use, you don't saute eggs, scramble an egg. Then that, like that, I just think it's so freeing because we just aren't looking for someone to do something for us anymore. And we're not like looking for a need to be met from a source that's ultimately super depleted herself. Cause most of our mothers, they've got their own stuff going on, or they may not even be with us in physical form anymore. Intimacy to optimal productivity. Even if that productivity doesn't end up as dollars in the bank, you honor the rhythm of life 
And thank you for getting that across. If there's any just last minute things you want to give out as the final inspiration to our listeners, is there one sentence you'd like to leave them with? Your worth is not determined by your productivity. And the world does not need you busy. The world needs you here. You've been listening to Kate Northrup. This is Yoga for Life. I'm Colleen Sademan Yee. Thank you so much, Kate, for being with us today. I am honored. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for listening. To get the most out of this show, check out the yoga videos available only on the Himalaya Learning Platform. Himalaya Learning provides bite-sized courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts for you to enjoy in the app, on the go. To access exclusive content for this show and others like it, go to Himalaya.com and enter promo code YOGA for your first 14 days free. We hope you enjoy. I hate to break this yoga buzz that you may be feeling from this conversation, but if you're loving these podcasts, please leave me a review on Apple Podcast for the chance to win free access for three months of the Himalaya Learning Platform, where I have videos that accompany each podcast, and you will also have access to bonus material from all of your favorite Himalaya podcasters. So go to Apple Podcast and leave us a review. This podcast is produced, recorded, and mixed by Cynthia Daniels at Monk Music Studios in East Hampton, New York. The theme music for Yoga for Life was composed by Rob and Melissa. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com.